Hello, hello. This is The Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted television. Today is the woman I like to call the Bethany Frankel of home design. So Bethany understood how to use reality TV as a tool to help her build this very successful brand. And my guess is really following that brilliant model, but she does it in her own way, let's say a slightly sweeter way. Her name is Sabrina Soto. She started as a TV host, and she figured out how to turn a job into a huge career and a brand. And her design show gigs parlayed into national commercials for Target, her own home design line there. She's got a whole kids' bedding line there, lots of stuff coming up that we talk about, and just a whole lifestyle brand that's really impressive. Here we are, Sabrina. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. <laughs> this is going to be the low voice, the low lady voice. I'll try to speak like a girl. Like, Let's talk oh. up here. <laughs> no, we, we don't need to. We can speak like grown women. Fine. Good. Damn it. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. I haven't seen you in in a minute. <laughs> 15. No, how long has it been? Let's see. 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. And you look exactly the same. No, I don't. <laughs> Shut up. Probably the last time, or no, we went to, so the, so Sabrina, to back up, Sabrina and I know each other because she was a host on a show called A Dating Story, which aired on TLC. Um, I think it was every day, right? Wasn't it yeah. stripped? Oh, we, we did 85, 85 episodes. 85 episodes. Can you even imagine getting an 85 episode order today of anything? Anything. And it was a little daunting, but we had, you know, the color-coded grid that <laughs> <laughs> explained how we were going to shoot 85 episodes. And, um, and we had fun. It was like, I was thinking about it this morning, that it was kind of like being a kindergarten teacher. And then I had my students, who were, most of them were very bad students, who yeah. were very unruly. Well, we were on the road. We were on the road. And with 20-year-olds. Yeah. Who were, so much drama. Lots so of much, drinking. Lots of drinking and partying. And, like. This person did this person, and that's, you know, it, it was, was high school. Yeah, it was for high me, school. For me, it was like hosting boot camp. Yeah, it was. Because you, you, totally. For 85 episodes in one <laughs> year, like I had to learn. I, I think I was, I can't believe you guys didn't fire me in the beginning. I thought I was so bad. Oh, we wanted to. Did you really? <laughs> no, oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you were great. In fact, I have distinct memory. I don't know if you remember this, of being in Central Park. And we had to do, like, I mean, monster wraps. We probably had, like, 150 wraps to get done. Obviously, each episode needed a new outfit. Do you remember yes. this? And I was So we were huddled around you with a sheet. Yeah. Having you try yeah, to I get remember. you to change. <laughs> and then we're at the horse's carriage. And then we're at the... But the rowboats, I mean, that was a crazy day. It's so fun. It was really fun. No, you were a champ. I mean, I've worked with some horrible talent. Divas. And divas, divas. <laughs> and you, you know, you had your moments, but you were. <laughs> I did not shut no, your mouth. You were good. You were good. No, but you were, you know what you were? You were like, um, you were eager. And to, you know, eager to please. first. Exactly. Big job. Exactly. Like you took it really seriously. You wanted to prove yourself. And I, you definitely did get better over the course of the season. I mean, I remember by the time. You have a choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we were just talking about that we that we ended up going to Hawaii for our last hurrah, which was really fun. And it was fun. It was it crazy, was but it was fun. And we had we had a you know overall, I would have said it was a really fun experience. I just I re- again like I can't imagine how we got all of that done in one year. <laughs> I don't I don't know. And we used to do 10 shows at a time, right? Yeah, we, when would, we would travel. We would bulk shoot. And even just to, I remember just the casting process alone. Do you remember how stringent it was? I mean, to cast like the couples to go on the date and those guys. Did that, anybody ever fall in love? Uh, I don't think we had a single. There was one success story from a season before I took over. 
And uh, I don't know if they lasted. I should find out. But there was one success story. Do you remember the guy who cut his hair? I told him to cut his hair because I thought his hair was floppy and ugly. And then he cut his hair like that. He had been growing out for years. And then he looked actually better with long hair. <gasps> and then we stuck him out on a date. Do you remember that episode? No. How do you not remember that? I don't know. But I have the worst memory. That's great. I remember the one with there was a date. I don't know. I don't know if you remember this one. The guy was doing blow. What? And he kept. Yeah, it was in New. We were filming in Manhattan. And he kept his mic on, and he went to the bathroom. And my sound guy turns to me and he goes, uh, "And oh, he was crazy on the date." And we all thought like this guy's. He started like yelling at her, and he was going off the rails. And then when we figured out he was doing blow the entire time, it kind of made sense. And he was sweating. What? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. I know. Oh yeah, that was a banner episode. That was uh, episode number forty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, I actually could name the exact episodes. God bless. So yeah, so that was boot camp for both of us in a way. That was my first show running experience too, and handling. All of the, you know, you're dealing with producers and the bookers and the talent, and there was a lot of a lot of balls in the air. But you, I think you stayed above the fray, and and then it kind of catapulted everything. But yeah, I want to back up. Okay, so I know before that, like I want to say when you first got out of college, you were doing a Yahoo thing, like just when Yahoo was am I crazy? Well, no, I did a Yahoo show called The E Spot, and it was a weekly show where I would just interview like actors and musicians. And then I would go to, like, the Billboard Music Awards or the K-Rock and do behind-the-scenes, like, interviews with musicians there. And that was early. Like, you were ahead oh of your God. time because 100%. this was, like, 2000 or yeah. something. No, this was a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, like, the olden 2000. Days. People weren't doing it at all. And um, a wow. lot of it was iChat. I was doing a lot of iChat, I too, back then. And then I decided because everything was on the internet right. that I would at least get a camera and get myself with footage of me with these huge acts um, because I was doing it for Yahoo and K-Rock for Earthlink. Um, Earthlink, that was your oh email for years. I know. <laughs> and so I put together a reel and that's how I got my first show and first agent. And that, and so was Dating Story right after that? Right after that. So it really was your first a first big time sort of you know gig it was well I did a show for MTV before that okay it was called the big urban myth show and I thought for sure when I got the show that I was gonna be a big star and I was gonna be super rich um they paid me five hundred dollars <laughs> for two weeks of work oh my god uh and we stayed at and you bought a yacht <laughs> I don't even think I bought a Hershey bar because I had to pay rent but that was a nightmare too to work on like just the reality of Reality TV, it's not glamorous. What? Do not blow the lid off of this so early in the podcast. We need people to believe the myth. No, actually, that's. I'm glad you said that because I want to. I want to get into it. So you're the first host that I'm having on the podcast. The first talent, quote unquote, which is what we call this type of human being, um, <laughs> talent. You know, talent. Um, because it is a completely different experience than being a producer, than being a booker, than being you know a showrunner. Um, and the challenge, I think, as talent is that, you know, you have to understand where we're coming from, but at the same time, be able to do your job really well. And I think I actually, back in the day, was on-air uh, on news person. So I, I had a little bit of insight into sort of the pressures that are on, you know, that you have to not just remember your lines, but also smile and also make sure that your lipsticks isn't smudged, but also remember, you know, how to, you know, what happened in the last act or whatever. So right. there's so much more. I think if you haven't 
done what you do, which most people in our business haven't, it's really hard to appreciate what you do. It's a very special skill set. Well, even now, I do a lot of producing with Steve, who's my partner, um, and it's branded content with bloggers. And God bless them. They're successful in their own right. But to be on camera talent is such a different way. You know, it's not being behind a computer and having your own little camera of editing. You have to deliver copy. And it's just it's changing the whole, you know, the the landscape of what we do. Completely. And they yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just don't. I think that the industry is changing so much. And you're right that it's like in a way we were there at the beginning, you know, to it's the old school way of thinking, too, of everything being polished. And nowadays with the camera anywhere, they think that's a show. Right. You just talk into your iPhone. But it's successful. Yeah. And they're getting more hits than our shows. So who's right? (laughs) Them or us? Like, right. Yeah. It's like scary and depressing and maybe potentially exciting all at once. Yeah, I know about not the exciting part. <laughs> Just depressing. All right, we're going to end this now. <laughs> so after Dating Story, is that when all of the HGTV stuff started taking off? No. So after Dating Story, I took time off. I got into real estate and did design work and got married and lived in suburbia. And I watched this documentary about the law of attraction. And I remember my husband. Wait, is this the secret? Yes. Okay. Okay, so I watched The Secret, but this is before The Secret was on Oprah. <laughs> okay. It, this was, I had to pay $4 to watch it on the internet. <laughs> and uh, my husband had come home from work and I said, I'm going to be back on TV. And I hadn't been on TV for years. And he's like, Why? You're crazy. You're making such good money in real estate. You know, we have a life. And why would you want to go back to that world? And I'm like, I, I just know I'm going to and I want to. And the next day, I was on Craigslist. I couldn't sleep. It was 4 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, what the hell? I'm just going to see what's on Craigslist. And there was a posting looking for a designer, a real estate person who had TV experience. And I said, I have the experience. I've been on TV. I just haven't done them together. What the hell? I sent in my reel. And it was for HGTV. It was Get It Sold, my first show. Oh, my God. I did not know any of this. I literally just thought you had continued hosting and then just fell into the design. I didn't realize you had that hardcore experience. Yeah. So were you? So you were a realtor selling homes and help, helping. I was doing mortgages, stage. okay, and staging. I was staging and doing mortgages for people. And had the design thing always been sort of a secret hobby or passion? Yeah, but I never ever thought I would do one or the other, TV or design and real estate, right. and never thought I could do both. And it was just such a. It's just how all, all everything just fell together. Was I was in the interview, and it was for completely different shows with Steve Edelman. <laughs> Uh, productions they were based out of San Francisco and he was talking to me about this show and they were looking for a host and I said you know I also do staging on the side and his eyes like lit up and he said well we're actually looking for somebody to be a stager for the show called get it sold so the show that I actually ended up being on the interview before never ended up going moving forward with a host so had I not even said those words I would have never worked for HGTV and it's been you know 300 plus episodes now Oh my God, that's the secret. <laughs> we just <laughs> listen. Revealed. I'm not new agey, so I don't even want to come off that way. But you know, everything happens. Yeah, that is that. So, get it sold was already on the air. At that no, point? it was a new show, and they it was kind of just filling in daytime, weekday, and it ended up being one of the top shows of HGTV at the time. So the show was um, basically, I'm going to stage your house so that you can sell it, right? And you were the stager, correct? And so in terms of the learning curve on that, since you were bringing sort of the two disciplines together, 
what was that like for you? Did you kind of just jump right in or did you feel like you had to, like, what was the, you know, it's a different muscle that you're flexing. Yeah, I, it was very weird because I think that the production, the crew wanted me to just be the talking head mm-hmm. and just shut my mouth and be a stager. But because I'd been in TV, I knew it or I thought I knew otherwise. And I had way too many opinions, I think, for them at the time. They were like, just shut up, you're a stager. Just go paint the wall. And I got a little too involved, I think, for their liking. So in terms of what, how? You know, the way I thought that things were being produced, the way I thought that they were dealing with the house and the characters. I'm sure I was so fucking annoying. Yeah, but yes, probably you were. (laughs) But you probably were right, too, because you knew how you, you know, it wasn't your first rodeo. Yeah, And you had the realtor experience, too. So you sort of had the three. And plus, you have, I mean, one thing I know about you is you have very good instincts about, you know, what is what like will work. So. Yeah, like what will work. That's why I'm not surprised that you became such a good designer because I think you have really good just instincts about people and things. And, you know, I could, you, a lot of people, especially talent, sorry to knock talent in general, but can be very myopic in their skill set, but also about, you know, just knowing what they know. And I think the reason, you know, we'll get to this, that you've become who you've become in terms of your success is because you're able to see the bigger picture, you know, as kind of a human being and as a businesswoman and as, as a businesswoman, yeah, right. Producer, all of the above, because really the best talent should also know how to produce in some way. A hundred percent. Yeah. So then how many episodes of Get It Sold got sold? I did six seasons. Uh, we were supposed to only, I was only supposed to be in D.C. for six months and I was there for five <laughs> years. So I did six seasons of Get It Sold. And then right after that, I did four seasons of a show called Real Estate Intervention and then right after that, I moved to New York City and did six seasons of High Low. Okay. So were the first two shows, were those all on the road shows? Or were they no, they were all, all in D.C. DC? Okay. So you all sort of DC. had a semblance of a normal life. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I would travel <laughs> for um, specials that we used to do for HGTV. Like I did the White House Christmas and things like that. Um, I did um, these like competition shows that they did for designers. So I would travel for that kind of work. And then I became the spokesperson for – um, target home. Okay, so yeah, that's when I had the moment where we sort of lost touch, and all of a sudden I was on the a TV commercial. is on. I'm like, God, that woman looks like Sabrina. That's sort of weird. And I'm like, Holy shit, that's Sabrina Soto. I'm like, Brian, get in here. <laughs> this is fucking Sabrina Soto. Nuts. That is, I mean, that was unbelievable. So talk about how that happened. Um, I got a call from my manager saying that she wanted me to meet with this PR group that handled Target's home division. They were looking for a spokesperson, and it was like five huge interviews in New York City. And when I got the call, I was on the train back to D.C. and got the call that I got the job, and I legitimately started hysterical crying. (gasps) Like, so happy. It was like a dream come true. Oh, my God. What the hell were the five interviews about? What what were they asking you? Just my design style, how I felt about quality and, and... being approachable and all of that, you know, just kind of things like that. I was asking if I got to Target discount, which I didn't. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, it was it was amazing. So I, I did that And were that they for testing you? Like, did you do a test commercial or anything? Or what no. Like that? No. Interesting. So they were just, I'm just so curious. Like, five interviews seems like so many. Yeah, it was. Amazing. I was like, get, just give me the job already. Oh, my God. So that was four years, and it was fun. And so I would travel for them, too, doing um, commercials back here to L.A., which was great because my family's here. And then they moved me to New York to do the Hilo Project. So I picked up and went there for three and a half years. 
Okay, so backing up just a target for a minute. So did the target, I mean, just being really honest, I mean, the target commercial put you on another level of quote-unquote celebrity, right? So you were, you know, I you, mean, you had notoriety really? with HGTV. Yeah. Well, yes, really. I, That's I mean, huge. I mean, did you start to get recognized? Did it change things? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people recognize me for, it was that Christmas commercial. Yeah. But I don't notice that stuff. I mean, I really, I'm not just saying that. Like, my manager and I were in the airport, and he was like, there are so many people who recognize you. I'm like, are there? Are you going to say you're ugly in high school, too? No, I okay, was good. super cute. <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> and popular, I hope. Uh, of course. Okay, good, because I couldn't take it if that was the case. <laughs> okay, so it was like you were chill about it. It wasn't like it changed your life entirely. No, I mean, I... It must have changed your life financially. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I never take anything for granted. And that's that's what I think happened after a dating story when we worked together. I think that I thought everything was just going to keep coming. And it was just going to go up and up and up. And I got, like, slapped in the face of, it doesn't work that way in TV. You you have a job, and then you don't. And then you do, and, the, you know, it goes up and down. And I think after that, I never took, I've never taken anything for granted ever since. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a great point. There's no guarantees on any side of it, but especially on camera, you know, those jobs are just so much harder to get. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, it's not like I'm going to go be an AP on this show and then an AP on that show. You know, and especially your... now with the bloggers, really, it's right. completely changed the Ugh. entire landscape of what we do because there are more people in the lifestyle space because there are bloggers coming for the same jobs. Right, but doesn't it helped that you already have, you know, that background behind you and that following behind you. I mean, honestly, I don't think people care anymore. Really? Uh, not as much. I don't think brands, I think brands care now more about followers and social media stats. You seem like you have, I mean, you have like 90,000 Twitter followers. And every time I see a Facebook post, you've got thousands and thousands of likes within yeah, seconds. I'm no Kardashian, you know. Well, you know, you are Cuban, <laughs> so you could fit in, sort of. <laughs> Not really. Not really. No. So you also started a lifestyle brand, Casa & Co. Or Casa & Company, Casa, yeah. Casa & So talk about how that started and what, what the impetus was for that. Well, I have, you know, everybody knows me from HGTV just doing design, but I really love to do I love to cook. I love to entertain. I like fashion. Obviously, everything on a budget. So I wanted to create an outlet for that. Um, it's been a lot more work than I thought. And just recently, I think I'm going to fold it into SabrinaSoto.com because it's a little confusing, I think, for brands and for my brand. Um, but it was a, it was a learning experience for sure. What was what kind of work that you didn't anticipate? Just how much work it <laughs> is. Like I thought it would just be cute. I'm gonna take cute pictures of me cooking. It's like no, it doesn't work like that. But don't you hire people to do that? Um, I actually haven't had any helps until now. I just hired an assistant two weeks ago. Okay, and this is the same woman who just hired a nanny after my six whole life months. has changed. <laughs> I have a team now. <laughs> yeah, good. You need one. I do. I just. I can't mean, you're believe... a brand. You're not a person anymore. I I'm... know you thought you were a person. I'm not a person anymore. <laughs> no, I just. Yeah, I. I finally have help, but there's because I have so many different projects going on. I can't do it myself anymore, and I'm such a control freak. But now, after I've had Olivia, I realize that realizing now delegation is the way to live. 
So if you don't follow Sabrina, uh, you have to. It's worth doing it just to see pictures of her adorable daughter Olivia. She is. I hope she. I think she's, she's so adorable. But like, don't. Oh no, no. Every she mom. Objected, no, I know. Okay. I would tell every you, mom. I would tell you adorable. off off air. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. She was a little. Uh, no, you would no, not. Of course I wouldn't. But I'd think it. No, she's ridiculous. She's Thank you. really, really sweet she's and cute. Adult. And how do you, I mean? How do you think it's changed you? It's softened me a lot because I am. A pretty blunt person and it's it's actually softened me to maybe filter myself a little bit more nah <laughs> no really thank god <laughs> um and my priorities have changed and shifted i used to only care about work 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 and i realize now it's that's no way to live and is it it's also hard it's hard to balance it all right yeah i mean i honestly don't know how women <sighs> I don't. I just don't know how there have been so many millions of women who've done it before yeah, me. Why can't we it get blows that my secret? Mind. We need that secret. Like it's hard. It's yeah. very difficult to balance work and a new baby. Well, especially so you've got your target line of your home design stuff. Home, so walk yeah. us through like all of the tentacles of Sabrina Soto's. So world. I have a target bedding line for adult, kids, and baby. I'm working now on pet and teen. <gasps> Which is great. Um, I was in Minneapolis last week working um, and pitching a baby toiletry line. And then I have diaper bags, too, that I just finished designing. And then I launched on HSN two weeks ago. So I was in Tampa doing that um, live on HSN, which was a completely different world that I was used to. Did you um, meet Bill Brand? No, I didn't. But I saw Nene Le- Leaks there. <laughs> um, and so that's all adult bedding, too. So I have... Two different lines. Amazing. So when you design these, are you literally sitting at a sketch? Like, how does it work? How do you come up with these designs? Um, I do, in, like, an inspirational mood board. So next week, I'm actually going to New York to design my next round of adult bedding. And I sit with a team, and we just look through images of things that, either for my travels or things that I've seen, and we come up with different prints and then pitch them to Target, and the buyer really holds our hand through the entire process. It's really a process. And how long does it take to market from when you come up with the inspiration? It could take anywhere from six months to a year before it goes on the shelves. And will Target ever reject things that you bring them? Oh, God, yes. Really? Yes. Could be, because why? Because they don't like it. Like, I came it's up with this whole cactus thing. bedding that I thought was the cutest thing for kids, yeah. and they didn't pick it up. Wow. But they... I'll come up with, like, 12 designs, and they'll pick, like, three or four. Interesting. But they, but they, want, they want it to keep coming. Yeah. Which is amazing. Because it's doing well. Thank God. Is there there's no gun, wood here? There's no wood foam. here. Knock on, on like uh, leather or something. <laughs> so, you know, I realized when we were talking about the real estate shows that it would be interesting to people. It would be interesting to me because I haven't worked on that many of, you know, kind of peeling the uh, the curtain back a little bit into, you know, you know, what? how long does it really take to do these shows? Because on air, it looks like it's overnight, right? To like stage a whole house or yeah. to, you know, renovate a whole house. How, but I know I've done a few. I mean, people are working 24 7 around the clock with Ew. hammers and. Yes and no. I okay. mean, f- forget it sold. We had such a small crew okay. and small budget that it really was just me. And at one point, my mom was helping in just one other buyer and slash behind the scenes stager. And we would have sometimes three weeks, and sometimes we would only have one week to prep. And that's hard because we can't order a lot with just one week lead time. Um, for high-low project, it really also depended on, st- like, casting. Sometimes we couldn't find the right house, and we were left with only a week or two to get stuff. So 
actually, I it it was a little bit more difficult than it needed to be in in a design show. You should have four weeks to prep just for lead time to get furniture. Right. And we just didn't have that a lot of the time. Did you have a support team that was helping you get all that stuff? Oh yeah, for Hilo we had a, an amazing team. For Get It Sold, we did. It was just like two people. And so the high-low project, so that's the one where, like, you present, you know, Kim Kardashian's room, and then you do that on the budget? No, I would sit with the client. They would tell me what they would like. I would create an amazing dream room out of the most expensive pieces. And then I, if they liked it, I would take everything out and recreate every piece on a budget. And when you say you... Me and my team. Right. And then how many people are on the team? And Well, Chris was my co-host on camera. Okay. And then we had a great little art team of, like, consisted of four to five people. But it's real work. You're really doing it. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, this is not like cameras go off and then you say, okay, team. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. On high-low, I didn't do as much work than on get it sold. On get it sold, cameras would go off and I'd still have to freaking finish painting the room by myself. <laughs> right. Like, they didn't care. <laughs> the glam life. <laughs> yeah. And my mom would call and say that I was sweating on camera because <laughs> I was working. Right. <laughs> mom. Right. That um, was real. Yeah, but I mean, on high-low, we did have a bigger bigger budget so we had help and I was smart enough to know that for me to do all the work off camera it wasn't you know by the time the cameras were rolling I was exhausted right so I knew when to like yeah take the help yeah absolutely what was your best experience out of all of those shows the Hilo project yeah it was so fun yeah the team was amazing the worst was the real estate intervention (laughs) it was just such a gritty show I remember that yeah it It was was super depressing I remember that. We got kicked out of people's homes. It was like, just, it was so depressing. Is that the one with homes that you guys no, did together? It was Mike Aubrey with the mustache. Mike Aubrey, sorry. Yeah. And they would like shoot it with like hidden cameras. Oh, yeah. It was, it was really the pits. Cr- it was- I, I, would, I would cry sometimes on set. Wow. Because it, it wasn't just... very HGTV happy. They were like in a different phase of trying things. Totally. And I, you know, good for them for trying. <laughs> but my God, it was not fun. Because the people, just describe the conceit so people understand why. People were like in dire straits trying to sell their house. And we would go in and really intervene and tell them what they needed to do. But it was never like happy-go-lucky. There was never, sometimes there was never a happy ending. It was just the pits. And also, I mean, yes, you are unfiltered. You are very blunt. But I think it's also really hard to tell people that you've just met Listen, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you know, you're going to lose your house. Yeah, but it wasn't just that. It was like Mike also had at that point, it was just we didn't have the best working relationship. So just like, and I I just was in between shows. I just didn't know what the hell I wanted to do either. I was, I don't remember that as a high point in my life. So what is the ideal kind of set for you? Like you said, Hilo is your best working experience. Like what needs to happen to create the perfect environment for you to work your best? Like just an amazing team and having fun. Like we're not curing cancer. It's a <laughs> right. freaking design show. Like let's not take it too seriously. And everybody on the Hilo project, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was like long hours, but we all enjoyed each other's company. I mean, we would hang out outside of work and everything. So it was fun. But the early days of Get It Sold was fun too. I mean... It was just, I mean, every show has its ups and downs. Yeah. So in terms of the future now with TV, like, where do you see yourself? Where do you want to go? I would love to be in the talk space. I did a pilot back in October with CBS um, doing a lifestyle talk show. It didn't, unfortunately, move forward. But I would love to be able to do that, to be in a studio and to also just talk and show my personality. Because when you're doing a design show, it's not about me. It's about the design. And I have... A huge personality, and I'm sassy, and I'm Latin, and I'm totally, funny. 
well, <laughs> lucky, um, and in <laughs> I'm you know just sometimes inappropriate, and I want to show that more. Yeah, I think that'd be a great vehicle for you. Yeah, Completely so. makes sense. We'll see. So, is there like maybe um, would you do like a panel version of that? Or yeah, is... but all the panel shows now are tanking. Are they? Is they, the real I mean, not doing well? The real is doing well. Yeah, okay, you need. To be I have a girlfriend black. who works there, but um, <laughs> the look at the Fab Life. Right, it, it fell apart. It fell apart. Um, because a lot of, you know, the millennials, they're not watching daytime TV. They're getting their content online. So maybe, like, that might, that's something I'm looking into, doing something there. And I do Facebook Live now, which is fun. I'm doing one tonight. What's um, the one tonight? It's, I'm showing the parts of my house that weren't on HTV magazine. And I'm talking about, I did this unplugged um, post on Casa about how how I struggled breastfeeding. I read that. Yeah. I thought that was really honest. And yeah. Was that hard to write? Very much. And what made you write it? Well, a, a, a mommy magazine, online magazine, asked me to write about my like what surprised me being a mom, and I wrote about it. And they came back and said that it wasn't enough for them, and they wouldn't post it, which was strange to me because here's a mommy magazine that should be writing about the truth for <laughs> these women, and they wouldn't post it. And I was so offended. Wait, I'm confused. So you wrote the breastfeeding article. You tried to get it published on a blog, and they wouldn't take it? Yeah, they were like, we need you to edit it. We want you to add more of this and that. Like, one question they asked me, asked me is, why are you? Why were you a new insecure mommy? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> what the fuck kind of question? That every new mom's insecure. Like, what? It was just bizarre. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just don't post it. I'll post it myself. Yeah. And I got such great feedback because no mom is talking. A lot of moms don't want to talk about it because it is um, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed that I was having a hard time. And I, I was, I didn't want to talk about it. But I'm thinking, if I don't, then who will? I hear you. And I think it was really brave of you. And, and I think that the more sort of celebrities speak out about these taboo subjects, the better, the better, because, you know, you know, that's our culture is that we're going to, you know, I did IVF and no celebrities were talking about it. It was like, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm 50. Yeah. I'm like, what? Really? Sure, Janet. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> okay, fake, honey. Fake bump or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, what? what's so embarrassing about it? You know, right. what, why is it a bad thing? So it's like the more people with visibility that speak out about sort of uncomfortable issues, I think better for everyone. So good on you, baby. But that's what's so good about the shift in content online is I think people, there's more information now and more and more people are being transparent. Where, as you know, in television, everything is so highly edited and heavily edited that it's not, it's so diluted. It is. And you know what else struck me about your article is that I feel like with a lifestyle brand and the brand you've created, everything's so pretty and beautiful and perfect. And you look at your house and you look at you and you look at everything around you. It's like, oh, I want to be her. And then you hear that. Like, I want to be me on exactly, Instagram. Like right. I look at me and I'm like, <laughs> I, I want to have that life. Right. But, you know, and that's funny because my brand also, because of HGTV, has been very like Susie Homemaker, <laughs> perfect girl next door. And that's not even really who I am. Like, I am gnarly sometimes. I love a bottle of wine and I mean the whole damn bottle. <laughs> and I am, I'm that girl next door that just happens to know a lot about design. But I'm not the girl you're going to want to have a glass of tea, a cup of tea with. I'm the girl you want to have like three glasses of wine with. I'm excited for you because I feel like based on that, whatever you do next is going to be way more authentic. It's going to be... I have to. Yeah. I cannot do the same painting a room beige <laughs> and talking about fucking sofa anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'll do it. Yeah. But please let me at least be yeah. me. Well, and that's the thing. Like, anyone would benefit from that because 
why not get an exciting person? I mean, it may not be the right fit for scripts per se now, right. but like it's wide open. But that's another. I think people are looking also for the truth of the process. And you know, you yeah. watch these HGTV, not just HGTV, all design shows, right. and it looks so easy and it looks so perfect, and it's not. And I wish that we talked more about all of the things that were falling apart behind the scenes. Yeah. Do you think that that would appeal to people? Yes. Because they're doing it themselves at home and then they're like, why is this so difficult? Why can't it be like what I saw? And it's because you didn't see the whole story. Right. But isn't there also the other side of the coin, which is I'm watching those shows to escape and I don't want it to reflect my reality because that's depressing. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm just being devil's advocate. Sure, I guess. But I also think that you could put a little bit, one layer of the reality in there. Right. Right. Yeah. Because there is a team like, turn the camera around and show everybody who's actually helping me. It's not just me. I single-handedly renovated <laughs> yeah, this house sure. in 12 hours. Sure, honey. <laughs> yeah. But look, I mean, the network's incredibly successful. So successful. And has been able to, you know, while other networks are suffering, they... They're they, growing and growing, and their ratings are going up and up and up and up. And all their shows work. Yep. But I do think that the model will change for them, too, because... Because of how hard it is, I mean, the, as you know, coming from the brand perspective with Target and other band, brands you're working with, the brands have money, they're hungry for places to put content, and they can't all be on HGTV. So there has got to be other places for them to integrate their brands, right? Isn't yeah, but that's, I mean, they're doing a lot of new testing online, all these brands, of branded content, short form videos. Um, a lot of new brands are getting into the Facebook Live arena too because it's new and exciting and fast and you get immediate statistics like I'll be on Facebook live talking and I could see how many people are watching me at that moment a week out I can tell you the demographics of who watched how long they watched you know when when they most people clicked in it's amazing that is amazing so I've been doing um sort of these like inside the actor studio questions that I'm trying to ask on every podcast. And okay. obviously you have to adjust them depending on who the guest I'm is. I'm ready. Sabrina, <laughs> can you plead the fifth? Um, okay, the first one is what's your proudest accomplishment? Olivia. But for work, I think getting in bed with Target. Hell yeah. Because I have been, I'm legitimately authentically a huge fan. So to me it was the most exciting. And what about your biggest regret? My biggest regret was when I lived in New York and I was working I was working too much and I wasn't paying attention to everything I was doing. I would I I I would just say yes to everything and I would show up I think and not be mentally prepared for things and also I I think I tried too hard at at one point in my career. I tried too hard to be perfect. And that led to burnout. Not just burn, yeah, burnout, and it led me, it it just, I think as much as we try to pretend that viewers don't know, I think people pick up on that stuff, and I think I was trying too hard to be everything. I was trying too hard to be f- the fashion person, the home person, the entertaining, and being that perfect person when that wasn't authentically me. And so that whole thing when everybody says, just be yourself, I never understood that. I hear it all the time, but now I get it. It's like, if you just are yourself, you will get to that, you'll stay on that road where you're supposed to be. It's when you try to be who you think everybody wants you to be is when you start to get lost. And did it take you a while to figure that out? Like, was it more of like 2020 hindsight or did you realize it in the moment? No, it was 2020 hindsight, for sure. I came out of this cloud when everything 
all opportunities started to fade away. And I went, what, what happened? And I realized what happened. It was me and the people I was surrounding myself with, too. Do you get scared knowing that that's happened before, that that not so much you losing yourself, but the opportunities going away? Like, do you wake up? I mean, are you on such a path now where you're so successful that you think, I'm going to be fine. I'm just going to keep, you know, Target's going to keep taking my stuff. I'm going to no. keep growing my brand. I never take it for granted. I know that it's it could end at any moment. And what's the backup plan? <sighs> Moving to some country where I could live in a hut. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm very much also um, conservative in the way that I spend money. If I make $100, I'll spend 10 I wish I had some of that. I am very frugal. Good for you. Like, my mom was making fun of me the other day. I was on a phone called. I was trying to make a reservation for a hotel, and I tried to use all these codes that, like, I really tried to use every code. And then the lady said, oh, this code? And I said, yeah. She was like, no, I just told you that's... I know you're not part of that group. So I hung up the phone and called back to get another person. And my mom's like, you just did all that for $10. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's $10. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is really funny. So what advice would you give to people trying to break in on your side of the business? So like I'm, On TV? Yeah. Well, I guess on anything now, right? We can't even just talk about TV. But see, now there's so many more opportunities that you could, right. you know, anybody who wants to be a TV host or a design expert can make their own content. Where When I started, there was no such thing. So you can, like, look at all these YouTube stars. Create your own content and figure it out. You have to just have your own voice. So the path is completely blown Changed. up. Yeah. What the hell do I know? Go ask a blogger who's successful. Like, that's... Because back in the day, you had to get a reel. You had, you had to, to get, get an, an agent. agent. Yeah. yeah. And you had to wait for somebody to give you an opportunity. And now you don't have to wait anymore. You can make your own opportunities, which is so exciting for people. I wish that was the case when I started out. Right, right. It's interesting to see how it will change the whole industry in terms of people being out of work, mm -hmm. meaning agents and companies and, you know, people right? that have traditionally been employed that way. I mean, I think people are still going to need agents because you, you need somebody to be managing that business for you, but it's everything's changing. And if you don't get on board, forget about it. And do you have a mentor? No. I really don't. I need one. Do you have it? Do you have anybody in mind? I have some suggestions. Uh, <laughs> her name is Martha. <laughs> well, no, I actually, I think of you, at, and we were actually, you and I were talking about Real Housewives before, and we could have a whole other podcast on that. But yes, we can. I do think of you as kind of the Bethany Frankel model where, like, you, you know, Bethany was very savvy when she got into Housewives that if I participate in this and kind of open up my life, I'm going to use it to build a lifestyle brand, which is what she had always wanted to do. This wasn't like, oh, I just... She didn't into, fall into... Yeah, yeah, she knew. And and I don't know that you were that calculated. And I think in certain ways, you know, like you said, it kind of was more kismet that brought the two things together for you. But you have been really smart about um, turning what could have just been insert host here... Into a business. Into a business. I take... I don't take myself seriously at all, but I take what I do very seriously. And I approach everything as it's part of my business and a from a professional standpoint because before I was on TV I was in um corporate in the corporate world so I I still have that in the back of my mind always I approach everything as a business to build my brand it's very very important to me do you think of yourself as a businesswoman first yes 
And when you talk about building your brand, what are the things that you want to see happen in terms of growing it and building it? Just making sure that when I say yes to an opportunity that it makes sense. I mean, I get I got an opportunity yesterday that the it was a huge brand, but for me, it wasn't authentic because I didn't believe in what they were selling. And it's easy sometimes when you don't have a show that you're currently working on to say yes to everything, but I have to think long term. Yeah, and I mean... I think it's also easy to say yes to things for the money, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, look, and I have a new baby and I'm getting older and it's it's hard. It is hard to say no to things, but it, I have to think of it as a big picture instead of just saying yes to a smaller paycheck. And what are the things other than Olivia and your partner? What are the things that ground you like in those moments when it feels like everything is crazy and you're trying to do everything like do you do yoga do you meditate no. <laughs> none no. of the above I drink. you cook right <laughs> you cook. drink okay good. i have a glass of wine right self-medicating um, is amazing no my mom you listen my my mom and my sister are the most grounding because even when i think i'm doing well they're like shut up you're an idiot <laughs> natasha natasha i remember your gorgeous sister yeah she's wonderful and and i spend a lot of time with my family they could give and my friends i was with my girlfriend earlier i've known her since i was 10 she works at Awesomeness TV, so I was there meeting them about opportunities. And I'm in with an executive, and this I've known her since I was ten. She was like, "Yeah, she's an, you know, she's an idiot." Blah blah blah. <laughs> it's like my friends always re- remind me to keep it real. Good, that's important. So, um, what are the top three reality shows that you watch? I watch The Housewives. All franchises, I should add. Yes, except Dallas. I haven't watched Dallas. I'm not gonna go Dallas. Um, I don't. That's it. That's the only reality show I've really watched. I mean, I, does Wendy Williams count? I'm a huge Wendy Williams yeah, fan. Yeah, I think so. How She's you really doing? How you doing? I love that woman. She's like, amazing. I love her. Have you been on her show? Yes. Um, last time I was on, I think I offended her, but What'd not you offended say? her. But she went to introduce me, and I thought she was talking about somebody else, so I <laughs> I corrected her, and like. N- uh, that's just the worst thing you could do. You never correct a host of a show, <laughs> and I regret. I still regret it. And I love her so much, and she hasn't invited me back since. Did she give you side eye? Yeah, she did. <laughs> she sure I love did. that you got it schooled by so Wendy. It was so embarrassing. Oh, um, I love her. And then I watch Golden Girls constantly. <laughs> Sabrina's actually a gay man in the body of I a beautiful a Cuban gay, woman. <laughs> gay, gay man. Um, I can't get enough of Golden Girls. Like Steve is like enough. I've seen. I've seen this episode already. I don't. Even, is it Nick and Night? Like what? Hallmark no. Channel. Hallmark. <laughs> and then I watch Frasier too at night. Oh. This is you're like throwback Sabrina. I'm probably 67 years old. (laughs) Taste of TV. I can't. Yeah, I I, that's what I watch. And then we watch nightly news. I mean, it's I I live a very boring life. That's I don't go out. You get sleep though. Do no, I don't. Oh right, sorry. I have a baby. (laughs) I don't get sleep. So do you feel like we covered everything? I don't know. It's, not, it's your show. What the hell? I don't know. Did we cover? I feel like we did. I, you're you're a great talker. Am I? You are. Good. You are. I can't think of anything else. I mean, if people are trying to get into the business, I guess you're the better person to to speak on that. Mm. How do you get the show greenlit? I don't know. Oh God. It it's feels tough. like the like every six months, the networks change their minds of what they want. Six minutes. Six minutes. Six minutes. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's it's definitely, even that's kind of been the common refrain these days, or just like, it's tough out there, you know? With brands and stuff, if yeah. everything is cheaper to produce online, and they're getting more eyeballs, then what's going to happen? Well, like, I, 
five years from now. I know. We're all trying to figure it out. And I think everyone who's smart in this business is thinking about how to capitalize on that. You know, I had my first podcast with Jenny Daly, and she is very much in the digital space. She owns a company called T Group. She's very much playing in the digital space and has got a lot of brands on board. And, and you know, I think the issue, honestly, is monetizing right now. Right. There's just not – I mean, you know the budgets from HGTV versus what you're doing online. And sometimes there's money, but, you know, not most of the time it's pennies. And if you're a production company trying to keep the lights on, that's yeah. not going to pay the bills. Right. And especially when, like you said, a blogger can do it from their living room for free. Yeah. Put it on iMovie and edit it themselves and get millions of hits. Right. And so, so as a brand, who would you rather put your money behind? But you're smart to be talking to people like Awesomeness. That's really good for you because that's exactly your niche. And, you know, they're like millennial moms and yeah. stuff, right? So Those millennials. Oh, you know. <laughs> they don't even millennial have cable plus. TV. That's yeah. a thing. By the way, I keep thinking that's the way to go because between all the things I'm watching online, well, you watch Golden Girls. But for some of us, we watch like Netflix and Hulu. But wait, no, you watch The Real Housewives. How are we going to watch that without cable? You get Bravo to go. Oh. Yeah. How am I going to watch my Golden Girls, though? Uh, probably on Netflix. They're no? not on Netflix. Oh, no. Forget it. You have to keep cable. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are too funny. This is so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I loved having you. 